What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, and we're talking about generational wealth, we're talking about finance, and we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. And before we introduce today's guest, my man Eric from Huntsville, Alabama, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight? Hey, thank you so much, Corey. Today's spotlight. We're going to recognize a young lady who made music history back in the 1979. Her name is Sylvia Robinson. Now, what's special about Sylvia Robinson? Uh, she assembled this rap group, you know, in the studio to record what has become the most commercial, successful rap record. The Sugar Hill Game, Rapper's Delight, which was a huge hit, crossing over to R&B Hot 100 charts, selling over 100 million copies. Her label, Sugar Hill Records, was a major creative force in those early years, and she reduced uh, records such as The Message by Grandmaster Flash and The Furious Five and Pioneer Ass like the Funky Four Plus One. Now, Robinson was, was hardly new to the music industry when she formed Sugar Hill Records with her husband, Joe Robinson. She was a successful singer, songwriter, and producer, even if she wasn't always credited for her work. Hip-hop cemented Robinson's place in music history while her pioneering work elevated the genre, and helped to kick off hip-hop's global rise. That's my spotlight for today. Miss Sylvia Robinson, Sugar Hill Rappers, those who are old school like me, remember that. You know, some of you young cats will probably know it too, so that's my spotlight for today. Now back to you, Corey. Let's go on and introduce today's guest, man. We got AJ Vassar on the show. This brother's in Medellin, Colombia, living good over there. But we're going to take it back. This brother was is the eldest of eight children from a single parent household from a small town in Illinois. This brother ate from the trash can, y'all. This brother slept in his car. This brother's also the author of three books, Day Grades, Root and Rise, The Scary Growth Process of Success, F You Money, How to Afford Your Freedom. We about to have a conversation today. So without further ado, AJ Vassar, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on Black Men Sundays. Oh, definitely, man. So let's go on and get started right out the gates. You know, we talk about generational wealth. We've talked about generational poverty. A lot of brothers are these days have anxiety. You know, we talked about mental health. We've had mental health experts on the show. But I want to talk about finance anxiety and how it's impacting our community. So let's go on and start with that first. So finance anxiety, I, I like that term because I think it's a term that a lot of people don't um, think about. But you, just like you have anxiety over everything, you you definitely have anxiety over your finances. And that doesn't stop when you when you uh, make it, as some people say. Um, what's interesting is I actually went through a battle of depression when I made it because I wasn't struggling no more. Like my whole identity was built on. I'm going to do this struggle. I'm going to make it through it like I'm going to do it. And when I ain't have to, when I ain't struggle no more, I, ain't, I lost who I was for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So I, I had anxiety there because it was like, well, who am I now? If I if I don't have that title, if I don't if I'm not that guy, then who am I? So I had to re refine myself, redefine myself. And and it was a lot of anxiety that came with that because like you just don't know what's around the next corner. You know what I'm saying? You don't know what to do. I remember when I uh when I owned a barbershop uh in Missouri, this white dude said something to me that I never forgot. 
and we were in a room full of full of black dudes. This is an all black barbershop, but I used to have sprinkled white customers. And he said, do you know the biggest advantage white men have over black men? So the whole shop stopped like, what? And he said, he said, think about this. He said, the biggest advantage we have over most is that we have our fathers and grandfathers to help us through the transitions of life. That has stuck with me since he said it because nobody told me how to transition from struggling to being all right, to starting to build wealth, to starting to build generational wealth. So yeah, man, it's a lot of anxiety that we deal with because we don't have that. Looking at your book, Day Grades, you came up with the uh, day grade system. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, man, I actually got that from uh, from college football. Actually, I uh, I play I play football at D one school, Southeast Missouri State, and you know every week the coaches would grade us out. We graded every practice, right? Every practice is filmed. So when it came Sunday, I mean, or Saturday when we played, you ain't had to question was you playing or not. You ain't had to question if you were starting. You ain't had to question nothing. It was like, how did I grade out, right? So then I just started looking at my life once I started struggling. And I was like, well, if I grade, if I start grading my, my film, which is what I call my days, if I start grading my days, you know, to have a great life, I need to have great months, right? I need to have great years. I need to have great weeks. So ultimately I need to have great days. And if I can string enough great days together, then I can be straight. And I do that by setting a standard. And then it's a simple, yo, did I reach the standard or not? It, it comes down to that. If I reached it, cool. If I didn't, that's an F, right? If I reached it, it's an A. If I didn't, it's an F. And then I grade it out over a time period. So then I can look back and say, okay, how am I doing? And then the grade speaks for itself, right? Because when, when I was homeless, what I realized was there were a lot of days that I thought, I was like, yo, I had a great day because I felt good. But I would look and I didn't accomplish nothing. And there were days when I felt horrible, like, yo, this was the worst day I had, but I'd done everything I said I was going to do that day. So I started realizing my feelings are subjective. I need something that's not subjective. I need something that I can just look at and say, did I get it done? Yes. Cool. If I didn't, then I need to do it. Mm, oh, you coming at it like that. Okay. Okay. Let's and let's keep going, man. F you money. How to afford your freedom. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, so you know what? I got the I got the term F you money because I was I was uh I think I was watching the show Billions and, and Buddy said, you know, what what good is F you money if you never say F you? Right. And my my take was like, well, I got F you money, but it's different. Like it ain't, you know, the, the middle finger F you, but it's the so the F is actually for free, right? So I don't think enough people have free you money, right? So that's the first thing I want I want brothers to get. Get some free you money. Because then once you got free you money, then you put yourself in a position to where you don't have to ask for certain things. You can just go buy it, right? Like freedom is something that you afford. It's not something that you obtain. You afford your freedom, right? So that, that's why I started bringing up, but that's why I started writing the book, F you money, because I'm like, no, nah, I think we got it backwards. You don't work towards financial freedom. You pay for financial freedom. So I pay for it, right? I My life is set up to where I can pay for my freedom. So to pay for your freedom, you have to know a couple things. You got to know what your freedom number is. And you can't move the goalposts. I think too many of us, even when I teach people how to get to their, free, their freedom number, they start getting there and then they move the goalposts, right? They're like, well, I, I thought I'd be comfortable here, but if I, like, let me get this much and then I'll be ready to be free. And, you know, it's, it's it's a mindset. You got to know, look, once I hit this number, I'm good. I'm free. 
I'm, I can afford my freedom and then I'm ready to go. I'm ready to step out there. Definitely, man. I want to um, take it back. You know, when I was uh, introing you, I said you ate from the trash can. You know, you're the eldest of eight children, single parent, low income. How did eating from the trash can, how did that make your life better? Yo, that, that was a turning point for my success, honestly. I was, uh, I so I had uh, my first my first business mentor, a guy named Dennis Vincent, rest in peace. I was, he was the first millionaire's hand that I'd ever shaken from a business millionaire. And a uh, black brother is one of my clients. And I thought, I thought his hand was going to feel different for some reason. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm like, yo, <laughs> like, yo, it's got to be different. And um, he started mentoring me over the years. And he told me that, you know, to, to be, to be an entrepreneur like him, I had to learn how to sell and lead people. So I actually sold my barbershop in uh, Missouri and moved to Atlanta to take a commission only job. And from there, you know, yo, I realized real quick that, you know, if you're in a hundred percent commission only job and you can't sell, you'll get skinny. You know what I'm saying? Like you, <laughs> you'll get skinny quick. Um, and I just, I remember me and my cousin had started a business and, Man, I made the first sale, but I didn't know this thing called invoice. You know what I'm saying? So I was ready for for the shorty to pay me right then. And she was like, yo, send me an invoice for the 15. And man, I ain't had no food. But my cousin was excited. He came and, you know, he was like, yo, we finna celebrate like future millionaires. And he bought some Chick-fil-A. And uh, shoot, he was talking, man. He took a bite out of his sandwich, was talking, excited, and dropped it and dropped it on the floor. And I'm a dude, so I ain't never vacuumed. So it was it was unsalvageable. Like the five second rule didn't, you know, that that wasn't even, nah, it was, it was done. So, so he took a sandwich and put it up and threw it away. And uh, later that night, I didn't tell him that, you know, my pride, I couldn't tell him like, bro, I ain't got no food. I ain't got nothing. I'm, I'm struggling. And uh, I remember, man, because we did that that morning. So later on that night, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm getting waking up with hunger pains. And I was like, you know, I had, I had a brother, I had a brother that was still in the game in, in, uh, in Illinois. So I was like, bro, all it takes is a phone call. Like you can, you can, you can serve, you can help your problem real quick. You make a phone call, you can get something delivered down here. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a lot of stuff you can do to get out of this situation. You can run back to Missouri, start cutting the hair. And I remember telling myself, nah, man, you're gonna, you're gonna do whatever it takes. And and that eating out the, the trash was that was doing whatever it takes. And I was like, yo, it's it's the same. You know what I'm saying? Dust it off, pray over it, eat it, and we're gonna figure it out tomorrow. And that was the turning point because that let me know that I had integrity. You know what I'm saying? I knew there was a couple ways I could make some quick dollars, but I was I was in it for the long haul. You know what I'm saying? I started playing the infinite game of business. And I was like, yo, I'm I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm gonna make it through it. So that's how that, that's how that's how that situation made me successful. Cause it it really reinforced my mindset that like, nah, we're gonna do this. Wow, man, that's that's crazy, man. That is awesome, man, because I never told nobody this story, but I know when I used to live in Tampa, I used to uh, date somebody where her brother uh, slept in his car and did that. And then, you know, I was at her house so much, I just said, you, you can stay at my apartment, you know. Um, you also slept in your car, man. Then years later, you out here giving cars away. Let's talk about that, man. So my first time, the first time I had to sleep in my car was Easter Sunday, 2014. Um, I never forget it because you know if you go to a black church, everybody hype. They you know they go in on Easter. I'm the only dude in Easter Sunday. Like yo, what am I gonna do? Yo, like God, you gotta come through. Like, bro, what's up? And I remember that night, man, being under uh under uh, a light pole in uh in Atlanta, 
And I had a I had another mentor in Atlanta. His name is Sam Shepard. Um, I always said I, I'll now Sam and Dennis whenever I'm telling my story, man, because um, I told Sam Sam was he's the number one income black income earner in Primarica, right? At the time, Sam was making one hundred forty thousand dollars a month. So I remember telling Sam I was about to be I was going to be homeless, and I was like, Yo, I'm gonna move back to Texas with my mom, and I'll come back when I get on my feet. And Sam was like, No, you're not. He said, no, no woman wants a man that runs to his mom when times get hard. So you're not going to start that habit now. He said, and you'll learn more from your car than you ever will running from your problems. And then he changed my life. He said, I got a safe parking lot you can sleep in. So I'm thinking when he told me I wasn't, I thought Sam was finna, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, you make a hundred, make 140,000 a month. I thought he was going to throw me 10 bands. Like, yo, when you get on your feet, you know what I'm saying? Hit me back. Nah, he said, yo, I got a safe parking lot you can sleep in. And that uh that taught me tough love, man. And and I'll forever be appreciative to him for that. We've had uh, a brother and a sister that live in Medellin, Colombia, you know. And I asked them, I was like, I didn't even know black people was out there. And Ron, he said, black people. He said it's, it's a lot of black successful people out here. He said it's such a nice area that there's an amusement park in the mall. He said he he said it's not in the parking lot. It's actually in the mall. So my question for you is. How does living internationally create a competitive advantage for a business person? The best way I can explain this is that I can afford my mistakes. And in the U.S., because it is so competitive, it's very hard to step out and do some stuff if you're not backed by investors, if you don't have family members that can hold you down. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very hard to make a mistake. It takes us so long to recover as a community if we make a mistake. Here, I can afford mistakes, right? I And I, I just made one recently. I'm starting a, a, a kind of a pseudo call center here. And I had a girl um, send me some referrals. And I was like, yo, I'm gonna give you referral fees. And I've just paid the referral fees, right? Before they even got started. And then they weren't able to start. If I would have did that in the U.S., I'd be hurting like, yo, I ain't got it. You know what I'm saying? It's like so many things that could could have happened by me needing that money. And by me being down here, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm just like, all right, cool. Right. I learned next time. So now I'll give you the referral fee after they on for 90 days. Right. Or or whatever. But I can afford my mistakes. I have the, the room to make mistakes here. And down here, ain't nobody tripping if you got a BMW or, you know what I'm saying, you don't get judged. Off of, off of stuff that we get judged back at home for, man. Like the stuff, yeah, right? People want to know what, what square footage is your crib and, you know, what you drive and what, you know, like we don't go about that down here. Nobody cares. How did you get to Medellin? Because, you know, as I asked our other guests, you know, when I think of Medellin, I think of the cartels. I think of people standing out with the guns, the M16s, military all day. I'm sitting here like, I don't even want to visit there. But after hearing Ron and hearing Angela and now talking to you, it's kind of like, I think it's some place I'd want to go. Obviously, if I come, I'm going to call one of y'all up as well. But how did you get to Medellin and what was enticing that you said, I'm going to want to live here? Man, that's interesting. I In 2017, I made the decision I was going to leave the U.S. And it was after I had a speaking engagement in Trinidad and Tobago. And man, I, I seen poverty, right? Which is why I just say I grew up unfortunate. I don't say I grew up in poverty no more. Cause I seen real poverty and what, what stunned me was, is that they were happier than we were. Like, I, I couldn't believe how happy they were. Right. And they had nothing and we have everything in the U S 
and we miserable. And I was like, yo, I don't, I don't want to live like this no more. Um, so in 2017, I made a decision. I was going to leave. I started telling, you know, people in my inner circle, like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the States. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm leaving. And a girl I was actually talking to at the time told me, uh, she was like, yo, I, um, I got this video and I think you should check it out. And it was about Medellin, Colombia. And I looked at the video. It was a black dude on there talking about his experience here. And I checked it out and I, I started researching it and I was sold by the weather. So it was like, you know, the weather stays between 60 and 80 degrees all year round. And I'm like, word. So the crazy part about Medellin is I never visited before I moved. I never visited. I didn't know one person here. I just got my stuff and I was like, I'm out. And if I don't like it, I'll leave in six months. That was my thought process. I'm free enough to do that now. You know what I'm saying? If I don't like it, I'll be going in six months. Cool, no harm, no foul. I've been here five years. Okay. And for brothers that, like me, that's never been overseas, you know, like I told the guests when we were talking to Starter last week, I said, you know, I know brothers in New York, in Brooklyn, never been to the Times Square. In Orlando, I live in Orlando. I know brothers never been to Disney World. But explain Medellin, Colombia for the brothers that's never been there. I mean, like I said, we see what we see on TV. So just can you just debunk some of the myths? Yeah. I, and it's like this. You have to realize that media has a job. Media has a job to get your attention. Right. And they're not going to get your attention telling you that it's sunshines and rainbows. Um, and, and just so you understand the significance of it. Every time I tell people here that I'm going home, they tell me not to get shot. They're like, yo, I hope you don't get you know, I hope you don't end up in a mass murder. Right. Or a mass shooting. Right. Because that's what they see down here. So they don't realize, like, when I tell them I'm going to visit my sister in Melbourne, Florida, right, if a shooting happened in Denver, they don't understand the distance. They just like, yo, I hope it's, I hope your sister's safe. And it's, it's like that. So people think about Colombia. Colombia is a country. Like the U.S. is a country, right? So things that happen here, I don't see that. Right. And I'm, I'm not saying thing, bad things don't happen in Medellin. Right. Everybody has their crime. But the, the majority of the stuff that that we're being showed and told in the U.S. Yeah, it's happening in Colombia, but it's far away from you. Right. You're talking about gorillas and, you know, in the jungles and they doing their thing. And like, I don't see none of that. Right. But the thing that I have to remind people is, yo, any big city that you in, you have cartel there. You have, bro, if y'all got weed, if y'all got coke, if y'all got fentanyl problems, it's cartel there, right? You just don't know who they are. Just like I'm sure I've met some cartel. I don't know who they are because the cartel typically don't get their hands dirty, right? So it ain't the cartel that I'm ever worried about. And down here, I actually like it better. And, and I hope this doesn't, I hope this comes across correctly, but they still have organized crime here, right? So you don't have a lot of random crime. Like they have... They, somebody has to answer to somebody else. And I like that, right? I don't like in the hood that you can just come up to me and shoot me and there's no consequences. You have nobody to answer to. Like down here, they still, you know, it's like back in the day when you had to ask Bumpy Johnson, could you go do something on somebody's block and he gives you the yes or no. It's still kind of like that down here. You just don't, you don't go willy nilly by yourself. That's not how they do it. We talk about freedom all the time. You have daily mindset practices that help achieve freedom. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah. So I'm going to try to do this without nerd now, right? 
But I started studying like neuroscience, epigenetics, quantum physics, like stuff like that, because I, I was fascinated with how the brain works and why certain people can be free and others can't. All right. So what I started realizing is, is that our brain takes in about 11 million bits of information every second. But with those 11 million bits, it filters down to about 126. Right. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. This whole time we've been talking, nobody has been thinking about how they left big toe is feeling. But now that I said it, you're probably thinking about your left big toe, right? Somebody probably even wiggled it, right? So what that lets you know is your brain is always getting information, but it's only going to allow in what you tell it is important. So until you start telling it freedom is important, not just talking about it, but saying it's important, then you're going to start seeing ways to get free because ways to get free are all around you, right? It's just that your brain won't let you process it. So what I realize is, is that all of us have been programmed from birth. So the best way to change your life and, and to get free is to start changing your programming and to start downloading a, a freedom programming because your life is just going to play out whatever the program it has, right? So, and, and the way I teach people this, man, is like, I, and, and I'm going to just say these jingles and I, I, your audience can finish them for me, right? So like a good neighbor, stay for them is there. Right. The best part of waking up folders in your cup like nobody set us down and taught that, but we know it. Right. It's in us. And that's how it happens with most of our programming. So it comes the same with money. Right. So if I said it takes money to make people know it's money. Right. Money doesn't grow on. Right. People know that money is the root of all. Right. All rich people are going to. Right. Seventy five percent going to say, hey. So what I had to realize is if if my programming tells me that all rich people are going to hell, then I'll sabotage my dollars to keep me out of hell. So I'll never achieve freedom because to me, freedom is actually attached to hell. So we got to We got to check our programming. man. And once you check your programming, you change your life. Yeah, definitely. You know, this Kalali. So, you know, I always got a couple of questions for for the guests when I get on, man. And first of for first and foremost, thanks for being on the show, man. Sir, yeah, yeah, that, that last one you dropped is definitely a gem, man. People need to think about that. Um, I had a question uh, for you, so I got a couple questions for you. Uh, first question I wanted to ask you so, um, you talked about accumulating money, uh, getting rich, you know, what I'm saying, or getting wealthy. What's the difference, uh, to you between accumulating money, getting rich, getting wealthy, and then getting generational wealth? I, I think it's stages getting rich, getting wealth, and then having generational wealth is, is done in stages. So um, getting rich means that I'm secure, right? Um, and like, I have this thing called a rich number that, that I teach people how to get. Cause rich is almost really just a feeling, man. Like mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a feeling. So, and most people don't know what to attach that feeling to. So if what the, the exercises I've done with people, most people rich number ain't even a million dollars. It's not. It's not a million dollars, right? Because if they get a certain number, they'll feel rich because they haven't had that that amount of money before, right? So it, it's a it's a it's a, a feeling. Wealth is when I no longer have to worry about the money coming in. I no longer have to worry about the cash flow, right? Rich means I'm still going out to get it. I, I got to go get it. Wealth is my cash flow is taking care of itself. Generational wealth means when I die, the cash flow still takes care of itself, 
So to me, that's the difference is if I die, is the cash flow going to take care of itself? If the cash flow takes care of itself, it's generational because then I can pass it down, right? I can put, I can have it in a trust. I can have, I can do a lot of things to make sure that money continues to come in. But that, that's, that's my definition. Well, no, that's, that's good. I, I like that. You, so you talk about uh, what you're saying is, you know, like you said, rich is still, you you're still on the grind as far as your money is concerned, you know, wealthy is your money is, is taking care of itself and you don't really have to worry about that. So you can focus on other things and then generational wealth is you can take that, you can take that wealth that you have because it's, it's, it's taking care of itself so well, you take that wealth that you have and pass it on to generations and have that money take care of other generations so that they don't have to really worry about the money and can worry about other things or, or, or focus on other things. 100%. So be it that it's it's life insurance, be it that it's in a trust, be it that it's in a business that pays you dividends. Um, I mean, there are so many ways to create generational wealth. Um, you just have to, you you and, and you can do tests to see if you have generational wealth. Stop managing your money. See if it comes in or not, right? This month, uh, get let let it flow to somebody else without you touching, right? I mean, it, it's a couple of things you can do. Do you have somebody in place that 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 watches the money for you? That that directs the money, right? Um, and, and businesses, they, I believe they call them controllers. Like, do you have a controller that's passing the money around and make sure no matter what happens to me, this is still going to be taken care of? And once you have that man, then you got generational wealth. So, yeah, that that shoot. Those are at least those are good objectives to aim for. So. Here's a follow-up question, which which might just be an overlap of the same question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you uh, define freedom in general? Or if that's too broad, uh, what are the tools that you use to help uh, other people decide uh, what freedom looks like for them? So you talked about the freedom number. Um, are there other tools that you use to help people decide what freedom looks like for them? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because freedom is different for everybody, man. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like For me, freedom was moving out of the U.S., other people, you don't have to move out of the U.S. I know people that are free in their jobs, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because at any time, their job can be taken away from them, and it don't matter. It's not going to affect their livelihood, right. right? So freedom to me is when I'm in control. That's that's all freedom means to me. It means I'm in control, right? So um, I know with, and I don't know if you all, if you all got jobs, but, you know, I, I hate this entrepreneur thing where, you know, people try to try to bash people with jobs. I don't like that, right? My thing is, even as an entrepreneur myself, I realize the only difference between me and somebody that works for someone is you have one boss, I have a lot of bosses. So, but you can do that while you work for somebody. You can have your main source of income, which is your one boss and still go get bosses on the side and then eventually grow them until you have enough to where they're comparable. And then you have enough to where it's over and Right. So, I mean, I know a guy right now, he works at FedEx been working there for almost 30 years. And he has a business that does way more than his than his uh, job patient. Right. But he loves his job. He loves his job. And because he had his job, he didn't have to eat his business in the process of growing. It, right. So, I mean, it's several ways to get to freedom. It, it all depends on what you want. He's free. He's freer than I am. You know what I'm saying? If we're looking at it from a financial sense, he's freer than I am, right? So it, it, but it is, it's all about what freedom means to you. And I think the best thing for you to do is sit down and actually write out what, what, what do I require to be free, right? So that's the first thing I would do. I would come up with what, what are my guidelines for freedom? Because a lot of times we'll hit it, we don't even know we're there, 
We'll hit it and don't even know we're there. So, yeah, you got you to gotta write it out. You got to write it out. That's good right there. Like, yeah, you, you, you know. I think that'd be the worst thing. That's that's one of the worst things that can happen to a person, right? Is that is is them is for them to actually be free and not know it. But but think about it. It happens to us all the time. If yeah, you yeah. hear somebody talk about the good old days, right? Yeah. Most of the time they didn't even realize they was in the good old days when they was in them. Right. But now that they look back, they're like, yo, man, that was right. I remember in college, yo, I was complaining. I was like, man, it sucks. And now I'll be like, yo, when I was in college, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You don't, even, you don't even realize you're there until yeah. you have it written so you can say, yo, I did reach this. Yeah. I, I got everything that I achieved. The problem with, with reaching success and reaching goals is that our brains only allow us to see the good side, right? So case in point, when you make seven figures, everybody like, yo, if I made seven figures, I'd be straight. I wouldn't need, no, I'd be good, right? Cool. Well, you hit seven figures, but then you never thought I owe the IRS 300. Right, money, more money, more problems. You know what I'm saying? I, yo, I got payroll <laughs> now. I got, yo, I'm, yo, your brain never lets you see all the stuff that come with it. It just lets right. you see the big picture of seven. So you don't even appreciate it no more because you're like, man, nobody told me it was going to be like this. I got, yeah. That's that's kind of what me and Corey would be discussing because like, it's like, you know, you know, I, I make I make a good amount of money, man, but it's like, the money I I I I compare the money to like soldiers that work for like every dollar is a soldier that's working for you, right? Yeah. So the yeah. more dollars you get, the more soldiers you got to manage. And guess what? It takes more money to manage them soldiers if you ain't managing them properly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and if you don't manage them properly, they will kill you. Yeah, yeah, it'll get it'll, it'll come. Yeah, it'll come back to bite you big time. Yeah, man. them soldiers will come back and get you. So you, yeah, 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 you gotta yeah. take care of your soldiers. Right, right. That's how I always. That's that's what I always look at it like. So, so this this is my last question for you, man. So, you know, you talked about you talked about you know the obstacles you face. You know, trying to get to where you are now, different challenges you had to go through, sleeping in the car, things like that. What is it that you think was in your mindset um, that just let you focus on doing whatever it takes? Like, what let you hold on to that whatever it takes mindset and not make that phone call that you knew you could have made? You know what I'm saying? Not do this other thing, this other hustle that would have led you down a, down the uh, the other path. Do you think that that was part of um, what you cat categorize as like, um, you know, reprogramming yourself to see what things are or, um, well, how would you, how, how, what do you think it was that, that allowed you, what, what, what is that mindset? It's, it's honestly about, like I play chess, right? Uh -huh. So you got to see five moves ahead. I think a lot of times we just look at the next move, right? So, Cool. I'm, I'm looking five moves ahead. So one of the things that I would do is I would I would I would I would ask the question, then what? If I make this call, then what? All right, cool. You get it. Now you got money. Then what? But now you need more money. So you still ain't learned the lesson. So you're going to keep making a phone call. So now you're going to turn into that. Then what? Oh, so now you put yourself in a position where you, you really ain't going to be free. You see what I'm saying? Really? So and, and even with with going through it, it's like, then what? I got to eat out of a garbage can. Then what? Okay, cool. I'll be good until tomorrow. Then what? Okay, I can start over. But what did I learn? You know what I'm saying? It's always like, what did I learn? And then, man, I, I play this game with myself, man. I always tell myself, man, if they ever do a movie on you, this is going to make a great story. <laughs> you know, that's how I get through all my hardships. I always say, bro, if they ever write a movie about you, go through it. Cause this is gonna make a great story. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and that's how I live. So whatever hard thing I have to do, I'm just like, yo, if they ever, if they, if they ever decide to make a movie on AJ, they ain't gonna have, they ain't gonna have to like make up too much stuff. Cause you just put the real stuff in there. It's gonna be enough. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, AJ, for, for sharing some time with us. That's that's all I got, but great conversation though. Yeah, man. Nah, hey, hey, freedom is there for you, bro. I'm telling you, freedom is there, right? And, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm and and I, I want to leave y'all with something just so your your audience, because I've been telling y'all some of my like formulas and stuff, but I want to actually show you how I come up with the rich number, right? So you can do it for yourself, so you can actually hit a target that makes sense. I, I have an acronym for rich, right? It stands for your your relevant, interesting cash flow happiness number. Right. Most most of the time we pick a number that's not relevant to us. OK, so what I want you to do is take your biggest bill for the month. It could be your mortgage. It could, right. Most most people, it's their mortgage. Right. Take that multiply by three hundred sixty five. Let's say your mortgage is will we'll you seventeen fifty multiply that by three hundred sixty five. That's six hundred thirty eight thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Go after that number. You know why? Because once you hit that number and you had that number in the bank, you can pay your mortgage now for the next 30 years and you don't have to worry about it. You feel rich. Because I know for the next 30 years, I ain't got to worry. That's nowhere near a million dollars. But just because I got that in the bank, I'm secure, right? Rich is just about being secure. Once I hit that, I'm good. And that, and if your freedom number is way, way smaller than Right. But that's how you do your rich number. You just, man, you take your, your biggest expense multiplied by 365. That means I can pay my mortgage every day for 365, for every day, every day of the year, I pay my mortgage. Right. right? Which means I can now pay my mortgage for 30 years and I never have to worry about it again. Let's talk about these retreats, man. You know, I've been checking you out on uh, Instagram. I see y'all eating good out there on these retreats. Um, let's talk about that a little bit, man. You know what, man? I, I wanted to give people a chance to get away and 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 see life differently, man. I think I think what happens in our community is we're not exposed to what's possible, right? We don't we don't get a chance to see uh, people doing it. We hear about it, but we don't see it. So, man, I started putting retreats together called Vacation Lifestyle Retreats, and I I actually didn't come up with the name. I started asking people like, "When you think of me, what you think about?" And they was like, "Bro." your whole lifestyle is a vacation. Like you go where you want, you work where you want, you be in China, South Korea, Colombia, Jamaica, like your whole life is a vacation. So I was like, yo, is, you know, and, and the irony is, is that when you live a lifestyle like this, you never have to take a vacation. But I don't take vacations. I just go do life in another part of the world. Like I don't need vacations no more. You know what I'm saying? Because my life is dope. Like I, why would I ever want to vacate from my life? You know what I'm saying? To me, that's freedom when I don't need to vacate from my life. So that that's what the retreats are about, man. It's about getting people the mentality to understand that, like, you should never need to vacate from your life because your life is exactly how you want it. And that and, and, and just so I'm clear, that don't mean you don't get tired. You don't need to take a day off or, you know what I'm saying? Just be like, I ain't working today. But even with that, like, I have the freedom and flexibility to do that. I ain't working today. Or, you know what? I feel like working by the beach today. All right, cool. In the morning, I'm jumping on a plane and I'm going to the beach. And I'm going to work from the beach for the next seven days until I'm ready to go back. Yeah, man, the, the, retreats are, the retreats are where it's at because it gives you a chance to get out of your current circumstances and get away from all the, the stimuli that you've normalized and really get into a different environment and see brothers and sisters that's down here 
you know, or that's wherever you are doing what you want to do. And it just gives you a different mentality. I mean, when people come, they like, man, the energy is different. Like, I, I want to be around this more. Like, how can I do this? And I think once you, you know, once you get that bug, man, it's hard to shake it. It's like, yo, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's really my message to people. If I can do it, you can do it. I ain't special, man. You know what I'm saying? I ate out of a garbage can. I, <laughs> right? I ain't nothing special about me. I just decided I was going to do it, and I did it. Yeah, nothing special about you except you studied neuroscience, epi epigenetics, and quantum physics on top of that. I mean, come on, man. Hey, hey man, people can literally go on YouTube right now and type that in and start learning. It ain't nothing special about me, bro. It's just what I do with my 24. What I do with my 24. So for brothers listening, they're like, listen, man, I'm kind of interested. I wouldn't mind hitting one of these retreats. So what are the qualifications? Do you have to be a CEO? Do you have to be a business owner? Like, what do you have to do to get qualified to get selected for a retreat? The first thing I would say is that, you know, you want to live a life of freedom. That That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing. Um, it's not about your title. You know what I'm saying? It's not about your title. It's about your mentality. Right. I don't I don't market to demographics. Right. I market to dreams and aspirations. So it's about what's your dream? What's your aspiration? If your aspiration is to want to live a vacation lifestyle, then that the retreat will be for you. If that, if, 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 if having a vacation lifestyle isn't something that resonates with you, it, it ain't for you. Like, yeah, no, that's not for you. Right. But if that resonates with you, then yeah, this is something you probably want to look into. Um, Cause it's not as hard as people think, man. It, it's really not. And to hit your freedom number, you don't have to be a millionaire. Most people that, that reach that freedom number, they don't even make six figures. Like once they're into freedom, they get to six figures because it's a lot easier. Right. But like, nah, man, it's, it's we make it harder than what it is. I don't know why we do that as humans. Like we think the process has to be hard. It doesn't. From a financial tip perspective, you know, I'm a brother. I'm not saying me, but I'm saying there's brothers out there making 20, 30,000 a year with the cost of inflation and rent and everything is high. How can you build generational wealth and you're making under $30,000? Cut the TV off. Cut the TV off. I, I, I had a mentor tell me, he said, if you ain't making $10,000 a month, you can't afford to watch TV. Cut the TV off. Like real talk. People, so the year that I left, and I'm, I'm going to give y'all a rundown just so people understand, like, I live this. This ain't something that, like, I'm just saying. In 2017, I, I left I left the U.S. in 2018. In 2017, I was making $90,000, uh, $90,000 at my corporate job. I was driving for Lyft. I was trading. I was selling books. Um, I was renting my car on Toro on the weekends. I had an Airbnb, right? Like I was hustling, man. I ain't had time to watch TV. I had to get somewhere. I had a freedom number and I had a freedom date. I had to get somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and it used to it used to piss me off because I started realizing everybody I'm watching on TV doing better than me financially. I don't like that. So I, I can't do that. I can't watch you do better than me. So then I started making NFL Sundays was a new financial lesson. That's what NFL stood for for me. New financial lesson Sundays. I need to I need to at least be making what the minimal player in the league is making to be able to watch it again. You know what I'm saying? Like that that was my mindset. So yeah, man, cut the TV off. Go get it. 
And also, you do any uh, you do any day trading? You do any stocks? So I used to. I I mean, I was getting murdered in the, I was I was getting murdered in the uh, day trading game. Um, now now I hire people to do it for me. Um, you know they've been doing good so far, so hopefully that continues. But you know, even if I even if I lose it, I'm in a position of losing, right? I would always tell people never 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 put yourself in a position where you can't if you can't lose it, don't do it. If you can't lose it, don't do it, right? I didn't start off day trading, right? And just to be clear, I, I, I've i lost more money day trading than I've made. But I was doing everything else too to make up for that, right? So I don't want people to think like, oh, day trading is the answer. It wasn't my answer. My answer was not being lazy, driving for Lyft, even though I was making almost $100,000, making money. And when I started that job, I was making, I started that job in... 2015 and I was making $15 an hour in 13 months. I was at 90,000 because I was hustling. I treated it like it was my business. You know what I'm saying? And the owner recognized that. So, you know, put yourself in a position, man, that you got 24, what you going to do with it? You got 24. You got it. We got to stop being comfortable. And, and when you do, when you do make the money, don't give it away so fast. I had to buy a new car. Um, Cause I got into a, uh, somebody hit me from behind. And when I went to the guard dealership and they saw how much money I made, first thing they did was take me over to the Mercedes and the Benz lot. And I was like, nah, where that Nissan Altima. And I got clowned at on a, by a couple of people at work. Cause I got an Altima instead of a, instead of a car that I could afford, but I had a plan. You, you, I, I wasn't trying to impress nobody. So that that's another thing. Like when you, when you start making money, don't automatically give it away. Okay. And also, um, you know, because I know you're a businessman, but let's talk properties. You own properties, things of that sort? No, not not right now. Um, right now, my focus has been building my business. Um, I let go of the Airbnb when I left Atlanta. Uh, and then my total focus was just on building my business and, and uh, building myself. I went through a season where I had to hustle on everything to get money coming in from different sources. Um, but now I'm in a position where I can leverage my business. So that's my, that's my focus right now. It's just leveraging that, you know, those things allow me to be in a position to give away six cars. Right. But now I'm on something, I'm on something different. So let's talk about educate and elevate what that means to you. So that's actually, that's, that's how I sell. Right. So as an entrepreneur, remember this, uh, my mentor, Dennis Benson told me, Entrepreneur ain't nothing but a fancy word for salesman. That's all it is, right? So you want to make sure that when you're selling, the way people don't feel like, oh, you're coming across as a, a pushy salesperson, is for me to educate you. But because if I educate you, I'm giving you value. So I do my part. My part is in the education. Your part is in the elevation, right? So even now, with, with, with the retreat, all I did was educate y'all on what I did. Those that, that say, you know what, that's for me. I, I want to live that. They're going to elevate. So I do my job. And then I, and what it does is it takes all the pressure off of me when it comes to selling, because my job is just to educate you, educate you on why you need it, what it does, what it's going to do for you, how your future is going to be different. Right. But then it's your job to elevate. So I take all the pressure off myself, which means I never come off as pushy because Right. If you elevate or not, that's that's a personal decision. I can't help you with that.
right? But I'm going to do my best to educate you the best I can. Gotcha. And let's go back to uh, what I started with, finance anxiety. For brothers listening and sisters listening, they saying, well, listen, man, you're making over 100000 a year. You're not going to have finance anxiety because I'm making twenty, thirty thousand a year. Bills are tight. So, how can someone that's making twenty or thirty thousand a year, how can they not have finance anxiety? A twenty, thirty thousand dollar person a year needs to needs to realize they have the same anxiety as a person that made a hundred. And a person that makes a hundred, I would almost venture to say, has more financial anxiety than a person making twenty to thirty. And I'm gonna tell you why. It's real simple. I've been in both places, right? And I know people in both places. The more money you make, they say it all the time, more money, more problems. But this is why that's so true. When, if if I'm not in control of my expenses, it's when I have anxiety. So your expenses dictate your anxiety, not how much you make. So if, if I make 20 to 30, but I can keep my expenses at about 10 to 12, then I can save half of my income, right? But what happens is, is when we get to the max, whatever whatever we make, if, if our expenses are just as much as what we make, it creates anxiety. Because if at any time we lose that source of income, we got to come up with it. Now, the reason that the, the, the person that makes six figures has less anxiety than a person that makes 20 to 30 is because when I was making 20 to 30, my rent was probably only six, $700. I can typically get that from a level. You know what I'm saying? I can get a couple people to, to loan me six or seven. When you're dealing with $4,000 a month bills, $5,000 a month bills, it's not too many people you can go through and be like, yo, can, can you hold me down for a couple months? I got partners now that because they kept their expenses low, they can hit me up and be like, yo, can you hold me down for a minute? And I'm like, yo, I got you, right? But if they came to me and was like, yo, I need you to hold me down 15K a month for the next three months, that you that you need to have anxiety because I'm gonna tell you hell no, yeah you need anxiety right so the anxiety just comes with anxiety is, is kind of like how much pressure you under at the time right the more your expenses are the more anxiety you are gonna have so they need to know it's not your it, it's not the money you make it's the money that goes out that makes the anxiety my last question I ask all our guests is you enjoyed yourself on Black Men Sundays brother yes sir. Yeah, man, we're going to have to have you back like in like in a quarter or two, man, because, you know, you have some good tips. You have, you know, a great insight. And I mean, you know, with the background you have, of course, you're going to have that insight, man, because that's one thing you're never going to forget. You know, I never I never uh, ate from a trash can or slept in the car, but, you know, we went through a couple of things. But, you know, compared to what I've seen in my community and just me and my job, you know, it's like, man, we we was all right. We were all right. You know, plus I had my man Kalali. I could pull up to his house Friday night. We used to play NBA live. We was good to go over there. You know, we always had a good time and stuff. So, yeah, man. So I'm glad you had a good time. Um, AJ Vassar, thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays, bro. I'm glad you had a great experience. With that said, we out of here. Peace. Peace. It's a Black Man Sunday.